0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Top of the morning to you, everybody. Welcome into this Wednesday edition of Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. The voice you're hearing is Will Porter, the producer, as Richie says, to push the buttons, answer the phones, and making sure everything is running smoothly, and that it does. Uh, Starting off again at the 6 o'clock hour, again, doing some new things. And if you're just joining us uh, um, on this Wednesday, welcome to the show. Um, If you have been joining us, well, then welcome back. Um, another action-packed day in the world of sports yesterday. A lot of uh, stories, a lot of headlines uh, that made waves all throughout here, and we just want to break it down for you. Uh, get uh, just to get some storylines across to uh, continue to do what we have been doing, and that is, you know, pushing pushing the stories, but also uh, in ways talking more about uh, the the stories than you know actually you know pushing stats or uh, looking at numbers, all those things. And that's something that I, I in particular like to do. Um, but nonetheless, we're going to continue pushing forward, starting with a, a lot of things coming out of uh, of college. And uh, we're going to take a look ahead at the uh, national championship game just a little bit more as uh, as the time just continues to, to tick on. We're about maybe five or six days away from it. Uh, it's going to come up Monday night at 8 o'clock there at Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans and it's in technically it's a neutral site game but if you really think about it the LSU Tigers have a home field advantage and we'll get into all of that uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show plus some uh, a handful of coaching changes all around the NFL Uh, that also is kind of reflective on college football if you haven't been following it closely well stay tuned because we're going to get into that as well Uh, also some you know some recruiting news that we had uh, yet to get into and um, and hopefully Richie gets in here um, as soon as he can. Uh, again, um, doing some doing some good things for us here at, at Southern Sports Central. Just trying to uh, continue to push our vision and, and our narrative of, uh, of continuing to um, you know bring the attention more to the student athlete. And what that means is uh, continuing to motivate and continuing to uplift the the young uh, the young athletes and that's the, the high school or the college athletes. And it's more to the story. It's all, it's always more to, uh, it's more than just the sport. It's always, uh, from the heart. And because it is always from the heart, uh, you, you get something that is much greater than, than the sport itself. So, um, and and with all of that being said, we're just going to, you know, continue to continue to push forward, continue to move forward with all of this. Um, and, and what we, what we are trying to do here, but, uh, all that being said uh just a lot of a lot of good news uh you know coming out of coming out of all the sports that we're covering and uh and and I don't want to get into all of that uh too early because again we got to um you know we got to get keep it real short and simple here and then continue to push forward um and make sure again going to give you a great a great show today uh, also some some scores out of the uh, NCAA uh basketball uh from last night I got the chance to uh catch up and to be able to uh watch a little bit of basketball and, and boy that was some good games um uh number 12 Maryland I think uh took down number 11 Ohio State that one was a um that one was a game on ESPN uh the for Big 10 basketball uh, 67-55 the final score the Terrapins uh take down the Buckeyes and then uh Kentucky somehow is able to rally behind in in the state of Georgia uh, in good old Athens and rally behind and uh, beat a team in the Bulldogs 78 to 69 uh another notable uh Louisville handles business 74 to 58 against Miami and Boston College with an upset against a ranked team number 18 Virginia 60 to 53 uh also Rutgers upsetting number 20 Penn State 72 to 61 you know there's something about the Big 10 uh, not not only as this relates to football, but it also relates to basketball as well, is the fact that they are uh, very very loaded, uh, very um, you know they they're they're capable of beating each other, and that's the thing. Uh, the, and then Ohio State has lost three straight now, and that's and and that's probably to no fault of their own. They have uh, some injuries and stuff like that. And if we have the chance to, we'll be able to get into this later on. But hey, if you want to be our guest, and call into the show, well, then again, be our guest. The number to call in is 323-784-9681. I'll give that number to you once once again. 323-784-9681. We'd love to hear what you have to say about these upcoming topics that we have. And uh, uh, it should be a very fun show today. So to take a quick time out here and uh, just uh, to, to kind of regroup refocus and uh, to get you this uh these stories here and uh just uh, just to get them out there and um give you my thoughts and opinions and hopefully richie will join me here as well um it let us know your opinions as well follow us on twitter at so sports central you can follow us on uh, facebook give us a thumbs up a like and uh that's at southern sports central on facebook and Yeah, just uh, keep track with us, and we'll keep the show rolling here. So quick timeout. We will come right back. This is Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. Happy Wednesday, everybody.
0: I'm a mm-hmm. bottle and I ain't
1: Port Central on Blog Talk Radio. And if you're just joining us, however, did you find us? Well, none, nonetheless, we are glad you're here. This is uh, Wednesday, uh, January the 8th, 2020. where are still continuing to uh, transcend into that uh, new decade of the 20s. It's going to be the Roaring 20s, as uh, a lot of a lot of people in my circle have said. Um, you, know, you know, again, some great things. Uh, some great things that we're hoping to happen here uh, for us at Southern Sports Central and uh continuing to work for work towards uh doing but again another uh, packed show to really dive into uh quite a bit of news again from the NFL uh, coaching hires and that and a, a lot more topics to dissect and um you know later on in the show I, I do believe that it's more uh, going to be uh it's going to be more geared towards the uh ba- the basketball side of things because uh, there's going to be uh, just a continuing to pick up action uh, as the conference games in the basketball realm or in, in college are going to be picking up as they already started to um, yesterday was Georgia's first uh, conference game uh, against Kentucky and it was a home game. Uh, and so, and, and Kentucky coming off of a, a uh, series win, I think on the road, um, you know, for their, for their first conference win of the 2019, uh, 2020 uh, season, But, you know, with all that being said, I kind of want to first start in, in the NFL with more news coming out with this uh, coaching carousel. Uh, that is, uh, I, I guess it's, uh, I guess it is what it is and how it all works out. But uh, what happened yesterday? Well, I'll tell you. Matt Rule, who was the head coach for the Baylor Bears, I say was. Because now he has been offered a job uh, to coach the Carolina Panthers, and that is that's that's quite the hire. Because uh, the thought was initially for for me, but I think for a lot of a lot of fans is that Matt Rule is coming off of a, a fantastic year at Baylor, um, and it, I'd say not the very best, but it is uh, spectacular what he's been able to do. For that Bears team uh, to come back from a, a season that they were almost uh, left for dead for, and what they have been able to accomplish uh, in the past couple of uh, seasons for that Big 12 team, it's very telling and it's very it's very promising for um, you know the the, the course of traje- the trajectory that they were on. And then this NFL job opens up. You know, Ron Rivera he gets he gets fired from the Panthers, and then. Uh, then starts the then starts the coaching search shortly after the season ended, and so then he agreed uh, on Tuesday. Uh, they, the Panthers contacted him and this made him an offer that he couldn't refuse. They made him a seven-year contract on Tuesday to become the Carolina Panthers' um, next head coach. And the deal is worth up to $60 million, with incentives that could be worth up to $70. He made $4.1 million this season at Baylor, and the Panthers set a $6 million buyout. Um, they paid a $6 million buyout to hire the new head coach. All of this, uh, according to lead sources telling uh, Adam Schefter. And now they, they announced his uh, ruling. Uh, they, they announced his hiring on Tuesday, but they didn't disclose the terms of the contract. Now, what that meant is that they just said, hey, we're going to hire this guy. How much are you paying him? Oh, we're not going to get that out yet. Now, it is one bold move uh, by David Tepper, who's the owner, when when previously explaining the job description, he didn't rule out hiring a college coach, but he made it clear he understood the difficulty in moving from college to the NFL, and Rule previously spent one year in the NFL as uh, 2012's offensive line assistant for the New York Giants, and he was scheduled to meet with the Giants on Tuesday, as a matter of fact, but he canceled that appointment after his interview with Tepper at Rule's home in Waco, Texas, and Rule said that they met last night and things happened very fast. Uh, in that conversation, the things that are important to me are important to them. The decision was really was a really really hard one. I feel like I left the program better than when we found it. And so Rule's passion for sports uh, science was also a big factor. And it's something that something that Tepper said was that he's impressive in player development and sports science, recovery techniques, intensity of training, integration with the strength program. Most stuff NFL teams don't come close to doing. He started talking about how he develops players and how he's going to pick his staff. And we all went from uh, and we all went from being in interview mode to recruiting mode. Everybody just knew. We switched. We switched without a word being said. And Rule has a rep- reputation for turning programs around. Uh, in his third season at Temple, the Owls went 10 and 2 during the regular season. A year later, he led the program to its first conference championship since 1967. Same thing happened with Baylor. They went 11-3, 11 and 3, 11 3, two years after going 1 and 11 in Rule's first season uh, for the Big 12 program. And the program had been dealing with a, um, some a several uh, scandals, scandals um, that Art uh, Bryles he lost his job in 2016, and so. The last thing that Rule said, he says, I came here for a purpose. I feel like I was called here for a for much more than just coming to coach football. I felt like I was here more than anything else to get the football program back in line with the university. I know we've done that. I felt like we really had done that after the first year. And then he added, when I walked, what I walked into was was a disgrace. It was really, really bad. But we fixed that. I'm at peace with it, and I hope the players are too. And then Baylor comes out with a statement, uh, you know, being grateful for Matt Roll for all that he has done for the Baylor football and for the university over the last three years. It's still voicing support together. He and his staff have moved the program forward both on and off the field. While our hopes was that Matt would be our coach for many years to come, we knew there was a possibility that the NFL would come calling. Now, Matt Rule, he's 44 years old, and he will inherit a Carolina team that finished 5-11 and in 2019 and has had three losing seasons in the four years since going to the Super Bowl after the team season. He's going to replace again Ron Rivera, who was fired with four games left in the 2019 season with the Panthers in a losing skid that would reach eight games. And Rivera, who took over the team in 2011, is the winningest coach in Carolina Panthers history the record of 76-63-1, and he was hired by the Washington Redskins last week. And this is the first time in the team's history that the Panthers have hired a coach from the collegiate level. They appeared to be leaning towards a pro coach before the owner, Tepper, met with Matt Rule. So, kind of wrapping all of this up and then dissecting it. I I, I believe that this is a good hire, but I also can't help but feel a certain way about it. And yes, it's a great hire. Matt Rule is, is a great coach. The way that he's been able to turn Temple around, the way he has turned Baylor around, and he was still around for that. And for him to, you know, to, to make this jump, it's, it's a bold move. It, it, it really is. Uh, it, it's going to be one of those big unknown uh, factors because he, he was an assistant uh, to a New York Giants organization and now he's going to go into playing this uh now he's going to go into uh playing this game again that is the NFL and having to make the play calls and all that and not really having much control but I, I don't i don't know it it sounds like that he and and tepper got off on the right foot and and it was in they they were in good standing that's what it sounded like to me that's what it uh that's what it genuinely um that's what it genuinely looks like now we can we can continue to go like back and forth about it um, but it it is it, i think it's good for the Panthers and what they what they are trying to achieve getting back to a a Super Bowl run like they did in 2015 that was uh Cam Newton's MVP season that was a lot of uh successes but now they've got a somehow start over again this will be Matt Rule's chance again to turn a program around but how I also feel about it in the same light is that he leaves a Baylor team with such short notice yes I, I, I think that some that, that the fans and the the other coaches and the coaching staff that they will uh, eventually forgive him but right now I, I can't imagine uh, if I were a, a Baylor fan such as such as them. If I was a Baylor fan as much as I am a Clemson fan, honestly, I I would feel some type of way about it, and, and that way would not be a, a good. It would not be a very good feeling. But he, he leaves he leaves behind a um, he leaves behind a program that he uh, is leaving better than what he found it. And I I guess that that's the silver lining. And I'm going to bring uh, Richie Altman in here, and it, uh, Richie, it's really good for you to uh joined me here missed you yesterday but uh hopefully that you're doing doing well and doing better um, th- this whole uh this whole change and, and it does have some college um some college credit to it but it is very different than uh than being a college coach and an NFL coach and he was he was tracked down he was sought out uh, by the Panthers organization and uh this this was an offer that he refused. um i i'm that a lot of
2: people. Are, what do you go with
3: Panthers? Well, first of all, top of the morning, everybody. Uh, glad to be back. Yeah, yesterday, uh, just getting a lot of things done, and and you'll see uh, a little bit of a transition here. Will's going to take a little bit more of a role as as college football kind of uh, steps back. I'm going to give him a little bit more of the uh, the microphone here uh, as we start to get a little heavy into college basketball. And uh, so I'll be around. I'm going to be in and out here, going to do a lot of the uh, behind the scenes things now. At this point, because we're trying to take some Sports Central to the next level, so there's a lot of meetings that are happening, uh, a lot of things that are going on. So uh, just stay tuned. But to this conversation, Baylor, you know, with Matt Rule, here's the thing: everywhere he's gone, he's done well. He's improved. He's kind of been uh, the guy that's come in and, and remodeled the job, if you will. The house has been there, but yet he's got to come in and and give us some new lighting and give us some new windows and do some of the grades that that it needed to be done and he took over a team all the way let's go back to and see what he did with the owls you you talked about that a little bit with temple what he was able to do was win a a a program conference championship since the first time since 1967 that began his, his i would say propelling to the next level that of course going in to a team like baylor that as you mentioned was you know um all the all the different things, ins and outs, and the bads, and the goods, and the things that he picked up a program. And really, honestly, if you look at his history there, other than losing in the Sugar Bowl this year, you know, he won uh, in the Texas Bowl. He, of course, uh, did not go to a bowl game back in 2007, but or 17, excuse me. But everywhere he's gone, you've seen the improvement with the programs he's touched upon. You know, so here's the thing, and a college coach this is the time that they do leave. There's not going to be much of a conversation had, and we really don't know what was said behind closed doors, neither. All right, two weeks ago, this could have been a conversation. A month ago, this could have been a conversation saying, "Look, I, I just want you to know, I, I my goals are to go to the NFL." And when they when he signed on board with Baylor, that could have been easily the the, the thing said, "Hey, look, the only thing going to pull me away from the the state of Texas and uh, this Baylor." Uh, university is an NFL job. this That's my goal. That's where I want to be. So, you know, we assume things, and, and a lot of times that gets us in the biggest trouble. So for us to sit here and think that there was no conversation had prior to this uh, breaking news to the media, I'm going to be honest with you. I talked to a coach, uh, Coach Smith, the running back coach, used to be over at Georgia, Southern, or Georgia State. Now he's the, the running back coach over at Arkansas. He knew two weeks ago, but he didn't put it out on social media until Sunday. Because of the factor they need to get through the bowl games, they need to get through some of the odds and end things. So uh for the players, uh they probably had an idea maybe. The fans had no idea, the media had no idea, but I would imagine I would I would I would almost bet the farm on it that those at Baylor knew what was going on. Uh how is this hire looking? I, I think it's okay. As long as he can keep these kids healthy, and the guys healthy that are on the field, the Cam Newtons and everybody around him. I think he'll turn this thing around pretty quickly. I think Ron Rivera would have been fine next year had he had a healthy and had a healthier situation. I mean, he does have one of the best running backs back there that's got all the highlights. He's got a defensive guy on the other side that's a a playmaker. Uh, He's got guys that are around him. Here's where he's going to find problems. Because the players seem to like Ron Rivera, because of the coaches that Ron's already taken from Charlotte and moving to Washington, D.C., he is going to bring his own guys in. We've talked about that time and time again, even in the college level. And uh, that's just the way it works in any business. Usually you get a new boss, you get new faces in different places. But as far as um, this goes, uh, it, it's a good move for them. Uh, it's a great move, for, by the way, for, uh, for, for Texas, the University of Texas, because that's one less guy they have to go recruit against. So this is a trickle effect that's going to affect the Big 12. It's going to affect the University of Baylor. It's going to affect the state of Texas. And here's one thing Baylor looks at. Now we got a guy in the NFL. You think he's going to draft our guys? Pretty sure he will. Think he's going to bring our guys to his program? Pretty sure he will. So it, it was a business move across the board. But how is he going to transition from hands-on to having to talk to an agent, to having to talk to somebody, to having to um, – uh, you can't micromanage here. You've got to delegate. And how can he handle the delegation part of this transition is going to be my biggest concern for him. Yeah, I, I agree with all
1: those points and, and the insight that you're giving. Uh, another thing to add that I, I think is a silver lining to all of this is the fact that, um, you know, Tepper came to uh, his home in Waco, Texas and met with Matt Rule in his home. So uh, it would be one thing if Matt Rule had to go to Carolina to, to meet him for the job. It's another thing for the owner of the team to come to your home uh, and your house and say, hey, do you want to coach? Here's the thing. Let's lay it out, and then they had they had very intricate discussions. I'm assuming, and of course, all of this all of this news is still going to uh, trickle in as as it comes along. Uh, something else too. I, must, I I believe that the players had uh, no idea, and that they found out yesterday, just the same as all of us. Uh, uh, the, he he apologizes to his players with with a text message uh, from. Coach Rule to, to his players, and he said, I'm sorry you guys are hearing about this through the media. I love you and this team. I have a unique chance to go try to win a Super Bowl and take the process to the NFL, um, capital P in, in the word process, by the way. Um, I hope you understand, and I'll be here in town, so please come see me at any time, Coach Rule. Um, you know, that's something – yeah, it it, it, it kind of stings if I'm a player to, to read that uh, coming across my uh, – to come across my phone but other than that it, it's one thing it's one thing to reach out than not reach out at all and and that's kind of the way that i'm looking at it uh right there
3: yeah i think it's hard for him to will. it yeah you know it's really because of social media and we we talk about the goods and the bads and ugly and sads of what social media brings to the table man and it's, it it is very simple here's the thing
0: yeah
3: it's hard it's got to be hard you got that many guys however he knew because this was broke. This broke what? sometime, was it last week or over the weekend? I'm trying to remember when this thing, this whole thing happened. Well, I think the, uh,
1: the speculation was this weekend, right. But it was made official Monday, right? yesterday. You, so it was officially Tuesday.
3: Tuesday. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. You know, he he really can't say anything on Monday. How did he say something on Tuesday? And because social media, he can control what's going on to some degree at Baylor. He had no control of what was going on yet. Over here, it, it's Charlotte. And they are really good beat writers. They're really good reporters who know the nose, who know certain people, who can break the news. And, and here's where breaking news, it, it has a, a, a tough effect on the players. I mean, listen, you know, kids transfer out of programs every day. We, we read the decommitments from kids every day. You know, coaches are no different. You know, they they have to get the iron when the iron's hot. If this is, again, you just heard him say, I have, something, I have a chance to do something very special, win a Super Bowl title. That evidently was something big on his priority list, on his bucket list when he got into coaching. This is something close to him as an individual. So, it, you know, he had to take the chance. I mean, in Charlotte, it's not a bad place to live. It's not a bad place to grow. It's not a bad place to be. And for him, he is going to have a very good opportunity to do something pretty quickly here. It's not taking over the Browns. He's taking over the Panthers, who I think, honestly, they've got the nucleus there. They've got a new owner. So we'll see how much money he's willing to spend, how much is he willing to give him Who is he going to bring with him? Is he going to bring some guys from Baylor? Is he going to go back to Temple? Is he going to go over here into some of his other coaching trees and do certain things? But when it comes to the players, it's just one of those things, man. It's a tough deal. It's hard. You know, what should he have done? Should he have put it out there on social media? Uh, Should he have done an Uh, all-email? It's just because of the world we live in right now where it's a right-now moment where everything that happens now is reported now. This is where I, I, I don't like the social media deal because it didn't really give him a chance to really regroup and galley all the guys into the locker room and say, look, I'm leaving. I'm sorry. This is my goal. I wouldn't hold you back if, if, if it was something that was in your goal, in your wheelhouse that was coming at you. I would always understand. And, again, you know, they, they'll pat, they'll be fine. It's Baylor. He's really got this job to where it's, it's a hungry job, again, for somebody that wants to be somebody great. It's in the state of Texas uh they don't even have to leave the state of Texas they' go to recruit to be honest with you um my question is now who they're gonna go hire you know that that's the fun part about this yeah the the report is that it's gonna be an inside hire uh
1: that nothing is confirmed yet, but uh that that just continues to be the speculation is that uh, uh Baylor is gonna continue to look again for for a head coach and it it may be somebody within the organization, whether or not a coordinator or
2: or just some some sort. In the works, and through, uh, note also that the
1: the Baylor Bears are they're sitting off a coach with uh, with a great track record who's going into um, a, a city and a and a team in Carolina that has has already and is just it, it just needs to regroup and refocus. And I think that if you have the backing of the owner now, and, and uh, the owner has has got and the general managers. Everybody wants to – that he's going to continue to bring in. Um, This is his – this is uh, up and coming his third year owning the Carolina Panthers. I think that by this time next year, he's going to have everything, um, you know, straightened, ironed out the way that he needs it to or the way that he wants it to uh, for the program to look. So – um, we're going to continue to follow this as well uh and and just to you know continue to monitor, monitor this because it is, after all it is a a college coach that is being uh, recruited to uh, coach for the NFL and we are going to uh, take a quick timeout here uh, to regroup again uh still some more coaching changes in, in the NFL to talk about as well uh as, as well as uh, uh there was an update on on Tua Tagovailoa's um his doctor checkup uh before he uh, made his announcement on Monday that he was declaring for the draft and uh, we'll dive, we'll dive into that dissect that uh, shortly after the break so taking a quick time out here once again you are listening to Southern Sports Central on blog talk radio we'll be right back She's a good girl.
0: Loves your mama. Loves in America, too She's a good girl It's crazy about own. Love's worth it. And her boyfriend, too And it's a long day Better than receiver There's a free Running through the yard, And I'm a bad boy cause I Don't even miss her I'm a bad boy For breaking her heart The family Walking through the valley, move west down. Venture a boulevard, and all the bands. Wow.
1: amount time is six thirty five uh, the first half hour of the show is done and complete, and we are continuing to roll on talking about the uh, different coaching changes that are that are happening right now uh really across the nfl but it but it's just about everywhere that you book um, the, any any coaching vacancies They are being filled and they are being filled up fast um, left ironically enough is the Cleveland Browns job uh, that that Uh, uh and finding a coach uh the next head coach for for the uh Believe Land Browns uh we shall see uh what happens and, and what that looks like but, but that uh the next one that we should get into uh is going to be the Giants and that's the New York Giants in the NFC East there was
2: uh the Yes,
1: was that the Giants were looking to hiring Jason, and so what that was going to mean,
2: like. It's
0: I am may need you to back up. I'm going to need you to back up. I am may need you to back up. Still in the tea, you stabbing the duck. I may need you to back up. I am may need you to back up. Yeah. I mean this. I'm in the seven. I'm gonna back up. I may need you to back up. I'm need you to back. I'm gonna need you to back up. Yeah. I may need you to back up. Still the tea, you start in the dust. I'm gonna need you to back up. I'm gonna need you to back up. Yeah, I may need you to back up. Hell is you thinking I'm jumping the leak in the Leo? It's leaking immediately. Show up this season and wait till you sleeping and wrap you up nice and needing them sheets. Kick the open, up skin scanning for motion. I'm just trying to make all my pockets obese. Don't want the coochie, I just want the luchi. So me in all of my poochies can eat. Might rob two chains for his loose chains. Take his boot thing, I'm the chains and take him K just taking some. Drop kick, chain yeah, ain't a fake or something. Looking at me like I'm opaque or something. Don't I look like Drake or something? make an earthquake or something. Better tell mankind the taker's coming. Back up, I am told it's no go backup, got me started. Go back up, but I won't be a backup. Back up, is it like this? Back up, I might get to that back up, but I won't be a victim. I'm in the seven, I'm gonna to back up. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. Yep. I'ma need you to back up. Spilling the tea, you in the cup. I'ma need you to back up. I'ma need you to back up. I'm in the i I'm going to I'm back I'm I'm back 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 I'm in the back i I'm in the I'm back
1: up, I'm i Technical, uh, as uh, you know continuing to talk about the the coaching changes in the nfl um i, I i'm gonna just to start again uh from where was, uh, picking up leading off the, the top segment was the coaching change for the new york giants and that coach being uh not jason garrett i was talking about the speculation uh that jason garrett had Possibly going into uh, this this head coaching job, this head coaching vacancy that was still um, very prevalent in in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, that is the home of the New York Giants. Uh, right there is where they play. And so the, the the thought was how how ironic that it would be that a New York Giants um, organization would have the audacity to hire an NFC um, rival uh, head coach, and for that matter. It was just uh, it, it was just kind of funny and interesting to bring uh, to bring that up that the possibility of that um, the possibility of that happening and so uh, with you know with all that being said you know it, it is something to look at it is something worthy of um, it is something worthy and, and notable to mention uh, the thing the thing to mention is that the person that they actually hired um, is the wide receivers was the wide receivers head coach for the New England Patriots. And uh, uh, again, I could go on with all the jokes uh, and just uh, kind of all the kind of all the jabs, if you will. Uh, the one being, man, the the New England Patriots had a had a wide receivers coach. And that's that's kind of unheard of. But, um, you know, you know, nonetheless, that it, it's it's interesting, all of the all of the news and and the articles that are coming out and Richie alluded to uh, what with the, the direction of, of social media that everything is reported instantly. And that's how the news gets out. Um, and so with, with that new coaching hire and, and the new um, and this new look for, for the New York giants, that they, they are still, they are still finalizing a deal. It is not, it has not come through yet, but they have voiced their intentions that yes, this guy is going to be the next tech coach for, Uh, The New York Giants and and here's my thinking on this yeah I I think it's a good hire um, and obviously we don't know who this guy is yet but uh, we're still going to uh, continue to uh, learn more about him uh, and and the job that he either the job that he has done or the job that he is going to uh, continue to um, you know he, he wide receivers head coach or he was the wide receivers coach and he was a um I, I want to say he was probably a, a strength and conditioning coach um all the same as well but you know what they do is, is that they are, are they're doing some good things uh with hiring this guy and he is he is accredited with uh being a coach for the New England Patriots uh and and just uh in being being a part of that organization already carries some merit with it Um, They they reportedly have hired New England Patriots, wide receiver coach, and he's the special teams coordinator, uh, Joe Judge, to become their next head coach. Uh, He has also had an offer from Mississippi State, and that is his alma mater, to replace Joe Moorhead. But obviously, I think that he chooses the the NFL job for the obvious reasons. Um, Now, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, he previously reported the Giants requested permission to interview uh, the former Dallas head coach Jason Garrett for their vacant job, and he added that Matt Rule spoke with New York about giving uh, them a chance to match the offer that he received, but the Carolina from the Carolina Panthers, but the Giants declined. And Matt Rule was actually supposed to meet with the the New York Giants yesterday afternoon as well. He never did, uh, and the Giants hope to interview Garrett as their offensive coordinator under Judge. Now, the Panthers landed rule by giving him a seven year contract worth $60 million, an additional 10 in incentives. Now, the Giants were in a market for head coach when they parted ways with Pat Shermer. And the 54 year old went 9 and 23 in two years with the organization. And the team has finished under 500 in six of the past seven years. Um, now, Joe Judge has spent the past eight seasons with the Patriots, and he is 38 years old. To so talk about the youth movement and coaching, Uh, taking its taking its root in the NFL Uh, he began working on Bill Belichick's staff as a special teams assistant in 2012 before he was uh, promoted to special teams coordinator in 2015 he added wide receivers coach to his list of responsibilities this season and before working with the Patriots Judge was a special teams assistant under Nick Saban at Alabama and the Giants will be Judge's first opportunity as a head coach in either college or the NFL Um, There's still a lot of questions to be had, but I think a lot of fans across the board, if you will, are exceptionally happy that this is uh, not Jason Garrett. Um, A lot of people are saying, you know, uh, I I don't know who Joe Judge is, but thank goodness it's not Jason Garrett. Um, I I don't know. I, I wouldn't go as far as saying that. I mean, sure, yeah with um if, if you're if you're a diehard fan of the New York Giants or any NFC East team for that matter and and you hire a coach uh, that that just came off of a uh, a coaching job in your same division and you hire him to be your coach here, yeah, that I can understand that uh, having a special peoples um in a lot of people's mouths. But you know, still that that was the speculation. They they wanted to interview Jason Garrett for the offensive coordinator job, which I think that that's gonna be better for Jason Garrett. That may be better for your team. Jason Garrett is a very offensive minded guy and he knows he like he knows the game well enough. Um and this this for him being stepped into a coordinator role I think takes a lot of stress off of him because you're not you're not focused on the play you're not really focused on the play calling and decisions for the entire team. You're making the decisions for your for your offense, you're making the the play calling decisions and and whatnot, and he'll have a better he'll have a better way to do that, and I and I honestly believe that he may have a better staff, uh, better equipped to do that as well than than that in Dallas. Um, you know the the rumor is that the the Cowboys are still going to um, they're they're still going to maintain their guy, they're still going to maintain Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, but they're they're also looking to hire um, uh, the the Rams uh, I think he was a uh he, I think he was a special teams coordinator um in, and Fassel, Uh let's see, John Fassel, He's expected to be hired by the Cowboys um to be the special teams coordinator. He was the special teams coordinator for um the the Rams, both in St. Louis and then when they moved back to Los Angeles. He was the special teams coordinator starting in twenty twelve um and most notably helping the team reach the Super Bowl last season and his contract expired. And so basically uh, with, he wasn't exactly fired. He just, he never, um, he never reached an agreement with his, um, with his contract to come back next year for, for the Rams. And so the, the Cowboys see that they pick him up. And so they're adding him to uh, their staff in a whole staff, really that that the Dallas Cowboys are are changing uh, and, and trying to to form and go and win now Um, before, before I say that they have a chance to, I want to I want to pump the brakes and, and just kind of back up and look at the picture, the the whole big picture because they have a chance. Yes, they have a chance to go and win. But I I personally feel as if that window was yes was this this past year. Um, the reason that I the reason that I say like it feels like it was just this past year was because they had all this talent and all the contracts and everything. The stars aligned but they went eight and eight and they only won what one or two games against a, a team that was better than 500 uh or, or yeah greater than a 500 record or at least that and for them to you know enter in into this off season and they and they don't consider jason garrett and news came out too this is this is a rumor you know, just pure uh speculation on on the, on the twitterverse according to some of the the nfl insiders is that you know if jason garrett He's still under contract, by the way, until January fourteenth. So he, he's he's still going to he's still technically employed by the Dallas Cowboys, even though we say former head coach because you have to in in this uh, in this age. And Mike McCarthy was just hired on uh, as the news came out on Monday, um, and we talked about it here on the show on Tuesday. Anyways, the the speculation that that's coming out now is that if the Dallas Cowboys did not get a a coaching hire that was that was good enough then they possibly would have stuck with Jason Garrett that they would have stuck with that option even though that that's not um probably what they wanted to do but nonetheless that, that I mean it's it's a good it's a good look I I would assume that it's a good look um for for the Cowboys to you know to be able to hire a guy who has won a Super Bowl that has um, that, that won a Super Bowl in their same building, by the way. Uh, Super Bowl 45 was held at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. I think that was probably shortly after they they rebuilt it or did something new with it. Um, but anyway, so the the America's team is getting a a great guy and in a in a, in a coach who has had chemistry with one of the greatest quarterbacks of of this generation, possibly of of all time, uh, talent wise. And just all of these things, I, I, I'm thinking that they have success as long as the contracts and everything uh, line up the way that it should. Uh, and then the, the final vacancy right now is the Cleveland Browns. And I, I would say for good reason, but the question then becomes, well, that we should have seen this coming because I don't think anybody – really wants the Cleveland Browns job unless it's the incentive, oh, well, this is a, this is a head coaching job, this is a head coaching uh, vacancy for the NFL, why, don't, why doesn't somebody just come and take it? Well, I mean, if all the things fall into place uh, for the Cleveland Browns in, in the next coming weeks, uh, they will decide on the next head coach by the end of this week, as a matter of fact. Um, and you know they, they hope to have a, a deal in place with someone by Saturday. They they um, the team they still have interviews with uh, Jim Schwartz, who is the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. They they have that one today. They're going to meet with uh, Minnesota Vikings' offensive coordinator um, Kevin Stefanski. The the fancy Stefanski. Sorry, I can't speak this morning. Uh, The offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, on Thursday, and New England Patriots offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, on Friday. Now, Cleveland has already interviewed uh, the offensive coordinator from Kansas City, Eric um, Belenimi, Belenimi, and Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, and San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh. And the Browns can take their time with this hire, since the other four teams they had Um, that had an opening at head coach have either officially hired someone or have reportedly agreed to deals. In addition to a head coach, Cleveland is also searching for a new general manager after it parted ways with John Dorsey. Now, owner Jimmy Haslam told reporters last week that the team wants to hire a head coach and give that person a say in who becomes the general manager. Um, Now, if you look at the successful organizations that are consistently in the playoffs, there is an alignment within the organization and they have the right People in the right place, Coach N.G.M. That's what uh, Jimmy Haslam said. Um, Now, among the candidates, Cleveland has interviewed, um, or who they're going to meet with, continually this week. Daniels,
2: for this experience, head coach,
1: seasons with Denver Broncos, and Schwartz went 29 and thirty one in five seasons with the Detroit Lions from 2009 to 2013. Uh, Stefanski, Roman. Bimi um, and Staley—they also prepare for their teams for playoff games this weekend. All those teams mentioned—they uh, they are going to be playing in playoffs now. as We remember Freddie Kitchens was was fired following a disappointing ten and uh, six and ten record, and the organization hasn't had a winning season since two thousand seven, hasn't made the playoffs since two thousand two. A lot of expectations for head coach coming in to fill that role. Uh, is, is it a good? is it a good location to be? I I would say yes, because it's it's the Cleveland Browns. They have some history there, but, um, and and the, and the players and the talents that they have, but it's going to take a lot because not only do you have to contend with, um, you know, being a head coach, you also have to contend with culture and culture. uh, Culture in in a way, one or the other, it, it works its way from the top down. If you, if you show that you care about your team, that you care about the, um, if you care about the fans, if you care about all of these all of the things that make an organization great, then you as an owner will you, you as an owner will uh, continue to you know do what you need to do uh, in order to make uh, to make your uh, franchise successful and 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 that all really starts with culture but and can also be said the same for coaches uh, I'm sure that i can be i would be corrected um, immediately. Uh, upon saying that but, but I guess you know, the Cleveland Browns vacancy yes it, it is it is a vacancy and not you don't know you uh you know to be the the overlying factor saying, Oh well it's the Cleveland Browns but it's a head coaching job as well and somebody has a chance to come into this uh to this program uh and then into this team with a g- going to be third year um,
2: uh, quarterback Baker maybe who hit a sophomore slot and
1: and I've my own have my own reach, but I'm not going to get into, of course, because we you need know, there but there's more, and it's not going to I'm not going to do that. But you have a, a quarterback in Baker Mayfield, you have um, a running back in Nick Chubb, you have uh, receivers in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., and you have the you have these other key pieces that are not notable names that I can name off the top of my head, and, and you have other these you have all of these other teams that that wish that they had the talent pool that you did, but you went 6-10 and 10 with them. And, and that, that honestly, in my opinion, yes, it did come down to the head coach. All because John Dorsey, who was the general manager, now they're looking for a general manager, heard from Baker Mayfield that, hey, I really liked Freddie Kitchen. I, I really liked working with him. And then they were like, okay, hey, Freddie, you want the head coaching job? And uh, dude, dude had really honestly no idea what he was doing running running this team um and the the levels at the levels of which um the expectations were there, and a lot of people honestly a ton of people outrageously bet their money on the Cleveland Browns early in the season. What they were thinking like Lord only knows but i i I had my speculations whenever the whenever it was announced, and just looking at this team's like yeah, in a video game, this would look. This team is great. This team is stacked. The talent, the talent is out the wazoo. On uh, just playing it in a video game, if you were to set it on rookie mode and and only uh, just continue to sling the ball or, or or run it and give it to Nick Chubb, but you know, nonetheless, this is a this is a team that is it's it's. It, this is going to be a very telling year for the Cleveland Browns. A very, very telling year for Baker Mayfield. Uh, if he's going to be able to, you know, bounce back from a a great second half of his rookie year, and that's very weird of me to say because it, like it, I'm I'm making it sound like he's going to be this Hall of Famer, and I I certainly hope that he is one day, but he he didn't show it this year, and and if the the track record continues this way. And he and he appears in even more commercials uh, this year or this coming year than he has this year. Uh, what is that going to look like? Uh, the the expectations are very high, and they're in a they're in a they're in a tough division as well. Um, you know, I, I can I can only count so much for the the Cincinnati Bengals, but you have the the Baltimore Ravens who are red hot with a, a quarterback in Lamar Jackson, who by the way was from the same quarterback uh, draft class as you were. He was just taken. At uh, pick number 32, whereas you were pick number one, um, and then Lamar Jackson, you know, doing doing what he's been doing, at that I would assume that that's going to continue. Just just kind of you know, telling the foreseeable future. I don't have a crystal ball, but just kind of in in hindsight, and just kind of looking forward. And then you have a, a team in the Pittsburgh Steelers, who by the way, their culture is is stellar. And, and what they've been able to do, Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, despite them missing the playoffs. But they went uh, eight, I think they went eight and eight or nine and seven. They, they did an amazing job with the the talent that they had um, depleted. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was, was in and out uh, of the lineups many, several times throughout the season. And so was uh, James Conner, their running back. And the only options that they had, and Ben Ben Roethlisberger was was injured, and that was a season ending um injury there for him. And it, it was it was it was put on the weight of the shoulders of, of two guys, um Duck Hodges and uh Mason Rudolph. And it it was just you know, looking again, looking across the board of this uh of this talent filled roster, and then you, you take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they've been able to do. So with the Cleveland Browns, their task this upcoming year is definitely going to have to be um, you know, establishing culture, positivity, preaching that positivity, and just making it into I, 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 what I would say the expectation is, is playoffs. Uh, with all that talent, the expectation was Super Bowl. Um, at, at least this coming year, they should compete to win the division or, or a, a wild card playoff spot in order to get into uh, January uh, football unfortunately they're not participating in. And and I honestly believe as well that a lot of people wanted to see this team fail for the obvious reasons. And uh and again so that would take another show to get into. So uh the first hour is wrapped up and we're going to go into hour number 2 uh right after this uh short commercial break and a message from our our friends over at the Tent Farm uh, Jonathan Farmer does an amazing job and thank you from the bottom of our hearts for on the show. And, um, and again, just just an amazing, amazing work that they do over there uh, at the Tent Farm. Go, go and be sure to check them out. They are not too far from Ashley Phosphate Road here in the low country of, uh, of the great town of uh, North Charleston and uh, or in and around Charleston here in the low country. So without further ado, a quick timeout here. We're going to transition into uh, the hour of the show. You are listening to Sports Central on Talk Radio. Happy Wednesday! Everybody.
2: I'll be right back.
3: My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed, I called the farm.
1: I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed, I called the farm.
0: I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm wanna help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed, call the farm.
1: Hey, welcome back into the show, everybody. Hour number one is done. Hour number two is coming to you right now. But before we do that, I do uh, also want to thank some of our other sponsors, Gerens Pharmacy, for sponsoring the studio that we broadcast from. Such a huge thank you to them. Uh, the hometown, uh, the hometown uh, pharmacy, if you will, man, uh, it's not just where you pick up your medication. It's also uh, the, old, the old school uh, pharmacy if you want to, you know, get uh, get some ice cream or uh, some, some soda over there. I mean, just I mean, go over to Gurns Pharmacy. They got, they got everything for you, a, a remedy, um, you know, for prescription, but also the natural way as well. Drink, uh, drink a, a Coca-Cola or a root beer float or something. They got it for you. Uh, Gerns Pharmacy in downtown Somerville. Also want to thank, uh, the Fan Zone. Uh, you can check them out at, uh, 5070 International Boulevard, uh, two suites, 106 and 107, uh, there at North Charleston. And uh, you can you can be able to check them out. They got they got a ton of memorabilia uh, across the NBA, MLB, NFL, uh, NCAA, all anything that you would need, anything that you would want. That is where you go. Um, and you can check them out at www.thefanzoneshop.com. So be sure to add shop to the end of the name, thefanzoneshop.com. com. Uh, and again, that that address is it's at the McCall Center, uh, right across from the um, Right across from the auditorium, the, um, uh, the, 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 the center, okay. the name escapes me, but it's on International Boulevard. 5070 is the address. suites so 106 and 107. They have to have two suites in order to uh, pack in all of that stuff that they've got, all the goodies that you could possibly look for and want. Also, Matt's Burgers for sponsoring the hotlines as well. Uh, 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 fantastic food over there. And, uh, of course, you know, the small town atmosphere, um, you know, you get in there packed house and you, you order what you want and it's out it's out of there um out of the kitchen and, and to your table as soon as they can and man it's some good food some really good food so again thank you to all of our sponsors and uh and for able to make this show possible and to to make sure that it's running every day and uh it's a huge thank you to them so uh continuing with the continuing with the nfl uh with the nfl talk kind of but it's kind of transitioning into into college um, you know, Tua had – he announced his decision on Monday that he was going to go into uh, the NFL. He, he declared the, you know, for the NFL draft Monday afternoon sometime around 12, 12.15, 12, and, and that's when the news news broke. And a lot of us had the speculation that he would, um, and the one thing that we were possibly looking out for was was his health, and also his doctors were looking out for his health as well. And, and that was one of the deciding factors, I think, uh, of how he decided to proceed. He had uh, he announced Monday again um, that he was going to forego his senior season and enter the 2020 uh, NFL draft. Now, uh, the NFL Network's uh, Ian Rappaport reported that the one key reason that led to to Tua Tagovailoa's decision, um, that he declared – one reason he declared for the NFL draft, I'm told – this is according to Ian Uh, Ravaport I'm told his visit to uh, New York to get an update on his medical situation was all positive. He, he has more tests at 12 and 16 weeks, but he got a solid thumbs up three thumbs up (laughs) before saying he was NFL bound and, and just uh, packing, packing in all the stats. um, You know, once again, he he completed 71.4% of his passes, 33 touchdowns and three interceptions in just nine games uh, this past season, a right hip dislocation and the posterior wall fracture he suffered against Mississippi State on November 16th uh, prematurely ended his year. And now his entrance uh, and into the NFL draft is now, you know, it's still going to debate on where he may end up. The positive news on Tagovailoa's hip is encouraging as well. In November, Rappaport spoke with five high-ranking executives, quote-unquote. Uh, who said he is still expected to be taken in the first round with all believing he'll end up in the first half of the round. Still, you know, NFL teams will likely want to check his hip uh, before drafting him, and, and the quarterback recognized that during the press conference. Um, and, and this was, you know, something that, that Tagovailoa noted with uh, with his hip. Uh, a lot of guys, the GMs, the owners I've gotten to talk to, um, talking about uh, Tua's words here, kind of look at this injury as a knee injury. Um, like, we, like, are we going to take a chance on this guy? The biggest thing they want to see is if I can move and go back to how I was playing before, um, how I was playing prior, before this injury. And I provided his prognosis as a positive one closer to draft time, and indications are that it will be. Then it's hard to imagine he will fall out of the top 10. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday that the Miami Dolphins may, may very well get their man. You know, the the talk about uh, before they before they won a game was that they were tanking for Tua that they were going to go own 16 on purpose and uh th- then the the front office depleted the roster and to to just pre- to, to prevent them from winning a game and yet they going out and do it anyway and one of the games that they that they won they beat the New England Patriots um with the very last game of the season that was kind of a get back at you moment from the destroying us in South Beach so we're going to come to Foxborough and and destroy you there but nonetheless this is um the the Miami Dolphins may may as well get their man, uh, and this is – I mean, it, it, it just just looking at it all through, the Cincinnati Bengals seem like shoe-ins uh, to draft Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback Joe Burrow out of LSU at number one. But after that, though, you got the Dolphins, you got the Los Angeles Chargers, you've got the Carolina Panthers, and you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. They could all decide to select a signal caller in the top ten. Now, the Dolphins at number five are perhaps the best bet as – a rebuilding team in search of a franchise quarterback now. Um, and and this is, um, and the mock draft, uh, of course, a lot of people have to, uh, going to, uh, South beach and and taking his talents to, um, the dolphins. It it would not honestly would not surprise me because of his ability to um, his ability to lead both himself and and others. And this is a team also in the Miami dolphins that are are looking for a a change of a change of identity. And and they, they've continued to do that for, for a long time. Now they've continued to do that for a while. Um, And all throughout the season, you know, Brian Brian Flores and the, the front office staff for the dolphins, they they've been on the same page as regards um, or they've been on the same page in regards to these, um, these instances and just, uh, and, you know, kind of what's, what like what's going on with the flow of things and, uh, them, them being able to, uh, what can I say to you to, um, continue to work towards a common goal. And that common goal was, yes, it's going to be a rebuilding year this year. It's going to be, it's going to be a little while before it gets to where we want it to be and where the fans, uh, really want us to be. And so he just telling. Uh, you know, with with his hands with his hands out, and just kind of uh, and just kind of tell him, calm down. Uh, I I wish you can I wish you could see my hand and my gesture, but it's like you know, extended arm out with the hand up, like you're stopping you're stopping somebody in traffic. It's like you know, just take a take a break, take a breather, because we have a plan and it's going to work out. We're going to work it out this way, and that and that's kind of what the the culture for the Dolphins has been this year. How far that's going to extend, I don't really know. Uh, nobody, nobody really knows other than those that are very intricately woven in, in the front office. Now, if, if the Dolphins don't get two of them, then what are their other options? I, I, I see that, you know, uh, you got, you got Jalen Hurts. You also, you've you also got uh Justin Herbert, uh, out of Oregon, Sam Ellinger is going to come back and play, uh, his 2020 season, uh, and not declare for the draft. He's going back to Texas uh probably good for him honestly uh, the, you know there's a lot of a lot of rumors out there or the 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 word um on the street is that you know it's probably better that he goes back to Texas all simply because if he if he didn't then he probably wouldn't get chosen in the draft or or very high up in the draft but you know with with all of that being said um uh, i i think i think it's a good it's a good sign that Tua is making progress with his injury and in the direction they the direction that the doctors are saying that he is trending. Um and, and the rehab I reported on it um on on this show sometime last week uh Marty Smith who you know he's very he's very close with with SEC Nation and with uh, everybody that uh that has been you know keeping tabs on Tua and and keeping track with his injury and with the doctors. Uh the thing that he said was um yeah, the thing that he said was that they are they're continuing to do light um they're doing light training and and just a, a not not so much of a heavy load yet. Uh that that will be coming in the next couple of months we'll we will see all of that uh come to fruition when it does. Uh something else out of the SEC um as well, there there's some uh candidates and uh the, the there's several candidates to replace Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. Now if anybody is just been li- living under a rocker this didn't uh, come across. But Joe Moorhead uh, was the Mississippi State head coach. He was fired um, just last week, and they parted ways with him only two years um, after they tabbed the former Penn State offensive coordinator to replace uh, Dan Mullen, who left for Florida and turned the Gators around. Uh, and things did not go smoothly for Moorhead. Uh, a 10-point loss to Louisville in the Music Music City Bowl with a, was a disappointing finish to a mediocre season, and leading up to the game, an altercation at practice led to starting quarterback Garrett Schrader being injured. Um, and, and this is all uh, according to reports from uh, from a local um, news source. And perhaps all those things are factored into the decision to part ways with Moorhead. And so the only remaining question is where where do the Bulldogs uh, turn? Now, they they're on the market for a head football coach a little later than you'd normally see for a team starting a search process and so um several several reports just coming just coming across the wire in different locations uh, the the stadium's brett mcmurphy he reported louisiana lafayette's head coach uh billy napier uh, he turned down the opportunity to talk with mr state about the job so that that removed one expected candidate from the list he is long Associated with the Bulldogs, the early search process. Now the situation isn't is not dire, yet, though. Yes, the pressure is on. After hated rival Ole Miss made a splash pickup in Lane Kiffin, but the Bulldogs don't have to match the headline higher. They just need the right fit who can turn around a program currently in better shape than the Rebels. Now several lower tier options could be big gets, and so. just to really take a look at some of the several viable candidates to replace Moorhead in, in Starkville, Mississippi. Um, and just kind of going, going from the, the list from 10th to first, kind of kind of going down the list, top 10 going up. So number 10 is, is Butch Jones. He is the Alabama offensive analyst and former Tennessee head coach. He, he would probably love to return to the sideline as a head coach, but it's a matter of who is going to give him an opportunity um, he, he's, he's rumored to be a candidate at Rutgers and also at Colorado state this year. Uh, and he was fired partway through one of the volunteers worst seasons ever in 2017. And he's been trying to rehabilitate his reputation as an intern slash analyst under Nick Saban at Alabama. Um, and now the Vols they finished nine and seven in his first year at Knoxville in 2013, but followed that up with a seven and six record and back to back nine and four campaigns before he was let go following. A four and six start, and Tennessee went on to have the only eight losses in the school history with Brady Hoke as interim coach for the final two games, um, and and this you know all this other news he was um, you know prior to Tennessee he had successful tenures at Central Michigan uh, and Cincinnati where he experienced recruiting success with the Vols and he struggled to develop that talent however, and Tennessee was in poor shape after after he was canned, uh, and if he surrounded himself with a proper staff perhaps he'd learned enough under Saban to have more, uh, to have more success. He also, he would also need to adapt his offense system and improve his strength and conditioning program. And the Bulldogs could probably could do better, but they could turn this direction. If if a few others say no, um, uh, number nine is Blake Anderson. Now Blake Anderson, he's the Arkansas Arkansas state head coach. And it's been a difficult year for him. Um, he, his wife, uh, Wendy passed away, uh, from cancer and still he was able to leave uh lead his arkansas state Red Wolves um responded with a second consecutive eight and five season and finished with a uh win over Florida international in the camilla Bowl thirty four to twenty six and it was the second consecutive eight and five season and that he finished
2: eight and five uh, um ever had at
1: Arkansas State and has replaced their head coach. The past three coaches, um, some of you who don't know the notable names, Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, and, and Brian Harzen, uh all got new head coaching gigs after one season there, and two of those were SEC schools. Uh, Hugh Freeze took the Ole Miss job, Malzahn went to Auburn, where he still lives, and uh, Harson replaced Chris Peterson at his alma, alma mater, Boise State. Now, could interesting be the next Arkansas State job? He has enjoyed explosive offenses through his career, throughout his career, and did uh, well as the offensive coordinator at, at Middle Tennessee State, Louisiana Lafayette, uh, Southern Mississippi, and North Carolina, teaming with Larry Fedora over the last two stops. Uh, Anderson Star hasn't surged recently with the coach not posting huge win totals in Jonesboro, but at 50, he's a solid young coach who could take off with the next gig, especially if he can bring along a few coaches. Uh, he's familiar with and convinced some strong recruiters to um, join him. Uh, number eight is Sonny Dykes, the SMU head coach. Uh, the SMU, the last SMU uh, head coach who tried his hand in the SEC, he didn't fare too well. You know, Arkansas fired Chad Morris before his second season was finished. After the Raisin, Razorbacks failed miserably in 2019, they go on to go 2-10. Uh, and 10. Uh, Maybe Sonny Dykes would be better. He took the Mustangs to a 10-4 and record with uh, Texas uh, transfer Shane um, and his sig- as his signal caller, and that was the program's most wins since the Pony Express days of 1984. It took a 5-7 season in Dallas before Dykes got his system installed, but it worked wonders this year. Now, if Morris's lack of SEC success um, gives Mississippi State pause, the Bulldog may cringe at Dykes' inconsistency as his only other Power 5 stop at California, uh, after starting one and an eleven with the Golden Bears he improved to five seven and eight got in fire. Uh that's all at, that's all at Cal. Uh his def- his defenses were dreadful, though his offense was big numbers. Uh he gets the number nice guys like Tulane's Willie Fritz, a uh, uh, possible possibly a shade past his prime at fifty nine. Uh and Army coach Jeff Morkin, Monken. Monkin. Uh, with concerns over his option system in the SEC, because his proven ability to develop quarterbacks, that's how um, thats how he would get the nod over some of his um, his other successors. And with Garrett, Garrett Schrader solidified as the starter next year, Dykes may be a solid fit. There's still, again, possibly more candidates likely. Uh, how about number seven, uh, Dave Arnata He's the LSU defensive coordinator, one of the hottest on the coaching circuit right now. He could be, should be LSU's defensive coordinator uh, who has a brilliant defensive mind and has been in the conference since 2016 and helped Ed Ogeron build an elite program in Baton Rouge. The Bayou Bengals, rightfully, most of this year's headlines ahead of the national championship tilt uh, with Clemson this upcoming Monday. Uh, But Armada's defense, Arnada's defense, has been a consistent bright spot. Now, the unit produces uh, top-tier NFL talent, and Arnada's ability to scheme is impressive. And before coming to LSU, he was a mastermind at dialing up defenses for the Wisconsin Badgers. He's 43 years old, and it's tough to have your first head coaching job at NCC, but the guys like Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt have enjoyed their successes. And Arnada would be an intriguing selection, and he probably has an connections to build a style in, it's a definite knock that if he's never had a head coaching gig, but when with Lane Kiffin bringing his strong, diverse offense to the rival Ole Miss Rebels, but Arnada's defense would be a fun matchup. His name is a possibility for the Bulldogs on several lists, including that of, the, um, a, again, the local uh, and It's a strong bet that Mississippi State will give him a long perhaps after the title game. Uh, but considering that it is a week away, it would be
2: a risk
1: recruiting. But with his approach, Army's head coach, may be the bulldog's guy. Uh, the current head coach at Army has uh, helped turn that program around, and he's also been an assistant at Navy, too. Uh, but will his triple option system translate in the SEC if he winds up the man at Starkville? Uh, would he diversify his resume, run elements of the current system, but also sprinkle in uh, spread elements? Now, much of his career has been spent running that system, including as a running back coach at Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson. And we know right now Georgia Tech is in that, in that upward swing of, of trying to um, get, get off of that and around to a, a newer offense. Now, he's compiled a 40-36 and 36 record at Army with uh, double-digit wins in both 2017 and 18. Um, He has been a winner everywhere he's gone, but hiring the 52-year-old would be a bit of a gamble because of the system fit. Um, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, he tweeted, MSU has spoken with Monken, uh, though, so the school is at least kicking the tires on this possibility in the the rugged SEC West. It may not be a bad idea to go out of the ordinary and try to shake things up with a style of offense that would throw off opponents who aren't used to defending it every week. Uh, plus, with this uh, with the type of athletes Mississippi state can land, the option could thrive. Also, it's possible that he would be he would be able to recruit a better path to make that part of the offense uh, a bigger threat. Now, it's hard to get used to the idea, but Georgia Tech has some positive seasons with Johnson, and the service academies are proving it uh, when the option is uh, run to perfection, it's difficult for anybody to defend. And there are more traditional options out there so this at the very least, is one uh, to watch. Now, Austin Pay's head coach. Um, Mark Hudspeth uh, when you cover the SEC names continually pop up as potential candidates if a school goes in a different direction that's why been um, <laughs> a candidate he a candidate at Mississippi State is such a big deal it seems Starkville would have been a great starting point for his foray into big time football
2: name uh, <laughs> was a quote
1: hot name 11 to 14 uh, he was thought to be an up-and-comer in the business and then things uh crashed and burned with the Cajuns going four and eight six and seven five and seven and Hudspeth lost his job shortly thereafter and he resurfaced as the head coach uh, at Austin Pay in the FCS replacing Will Healy after he left for the Charlotte job uh hey, there's our Charlotte shout out there um, Hudspeth led the Governors to an 11 win season and the Ohio, Ohio Valley Conference regular season title. And they love him in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, he, the Bulldogs, if they can call it. uh Now, the Bulldogs want to coach with ties to the direction of turn. It probably wouldn't be the splash higher fans um, want. At the end, after the way his tenure with the Raging Cajuns ended, Hudspeth has experienced success at every stop. It would be an uphill battle with the SEC West, but this would be a dream job for the coach. You know, he enjoyed plenty of success as the head coach in North Alabama before, before his days at Louisiana. He also spent time as an assistant in Mississippi at Delta State. Uh, as we're working our way now into the top four of this list, and it, it is a very extensive list with a lot of uh, good qualities to talk about, Skip Holtz is Louisiana, Louisiana Texas. Head coach, and, and this starts off by saying it's time for Skip Holtz to get a Power 5 coaching job, the son of longtime Notre Dame and South Carolina head coach Lou Holtz. He spent a long career uh, leading lower-tier programs at East Carolina, South Florida, and Louisiana Tech, and he's done a strong job everywhere he's been except for his three-year stint in Tampa, which set his career back some. Uh, with the Pirates from 2005 to 2009, he went 38-27. and 27. He went 16 and 21 with the UCF Bulls um, or USF Bulls uh, after following up his winning inaugural season with two losing years. He spent the past seven season in Ruston, Louisiana, where he's gone 56 and 36 and built strong teams. But this past season was his best, leading uh, the Bulldogs to a 10 and 3 record. Yes, he's 55 years old. But he also has enjoyed consistent success at Tech, winning at least eight games in five of the past seven years. They beat Miami this season on the way to the school's best record since 1984. And Holtz has yet to lose a bowl game while at Louisiana Tech. Again, he wouldn't be a splash hire that, that Kippen is. But he would be a strong hire who has enjoyed success as an assistant in the Power Five, has the bloodlines, and has really prospered in the group of five. He would probably love an opportunity to, to coach in the SEC, and at some point, a job like Mississippi State would be a mutual strong step for both sides. Of course, there would always be the question about whether his record at USF is, is an indication of how his system translates against better competition, but that, that was long ago. This is a seasoned coach who has Southern recruiting ties and a long, impressive resume. He'd be a good pick by the Bulldogs, and of course, there are three coaches ahead of him. I, I, I like that hire. Uh, It it is it is very well possible, but Skip Holtz, being being the son of of legendary coach Lou Holtz, I can see that being a good hire. Number three is Todd Grantham, the Florida defensive coordinator. Now Dave Dave Arnada is on this list because he's one of college football's top coordinators. Uh, He's already in the league. He's young, and he's just it's just a matter of time before he gets a head coaching job. But another coordinator who should fit in this search and may even be higher on the probability list. It's Todd Grantham, the Florida Gators defensive coordinator who left Mississippi State with Coach Dan Mullen and led UF to a ninth-ranked defense in the country this season. Now, with the Bulldogs in 2017, he led a unit that was ranked 10th nationally, 10th, and the experience he has at the SEC level is invaluable. He was also Mark Wright's defensive coordinator for four years at Georgia before moving on to Louisville for three seasons, Louisville for three seasons. Grantham's defenses are aggressive but disciplined, and the career assistant would love to get an opportunity to install that mentality um, through his own program. The 53-year-old is getting the Mississippi State job. Uh, if he were, it would be a lot like Sam Pittman replacing Chad Morris at Arkansas. And the Bulldogs would probably love to get some uh, with a little more head coaching experience. Get someone with a little more head coaching experience, as Grantham would need a year to learn how to build his program but former defensive assistants have experienced success in the SEC as first-time head coaches. Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports said Grantham was a name, quote, gaining traction in the Mississippi State search, and the Bulldogs definitely could do worse. But in two years with Florida, the Gators are 21-5 and five and just went 11-2 and two this season. The defense has led the way in both years, and harkening back, um, back to Mullen era wouldn't be a bad turn for a program that sputtered under Moorhead. Uh, this would be a hire with deep rooted SEC ties and a history in Starkville. Uh, number two on this list, surprisingly to me, is Bill Clark from UAB, the head coach of, of the UAB. Um, someday, really soon, the program is going to pull the trigger on UAB head coach Bill Clark, and it's, going to, uh, and it's going to be very happy that they did. The man can coach, it's just a matter of time before he gets to prove it at a Power 5 school. Now, Mississippi State would be an ideal proving ground. He's a defensive-minded coach. Uh, he helped the UAB Blazers bring football back from the dead and amass a 34-19 record over four seasons. Now, considering UAB got rid of football for the 2015 and 16 seasons, this feat is even more remarkable. Now, much of Clark's career has been spent in Alabama, where he was defensive coordinator at South Alabama for five seasons before moving on to Jacksonville State, where he was 11-4 and his only year there. His work with the Blazers has garnered national attention. and After earning Conference USA Coach of the Year honors in 2017, the Blazers have won back-to-back division titles. No, he's never had a Power 5 job, but he knows how to run a program, and he's proved himself in a big way. Clark doesn't have the big name uh, of some splash coaches out there. He, he's a more proven uh, commodity than Arkansas's Sam Pittman or, or Missouri's Eli Drinkwitz. It's a 51-year-old coach who has enjoyed recruiting success and developed players. And another important element Mississippi State fans should love about Clark and uh, is his experience luring transfers during, the time, um, during his time at UAB's program at a time it was shattered. Uh, the Bulldogs hit the Mississippi JUCO ranks hard historically, and Clark already has experience with that. He'd be a home run hire for MSU, even if it's not a national headline coup. And then the last one was uh, Joe Judge, the New England Patriots wide receiver coach and special teams coordinator. But unfortunately, uh, he he gets hired on as the head coach for um, he gets hired on as the head coach for the New York Giants. And just it, talking about him, you can probably count yourself in the majority uh, among SEC fans if you haven't uh, heard of him. He's been a successful assistant coach under Bill Belichick. New England Patriots, and he's had ties to Mississippi State. Now, if the Bulldogs convince him to return to a college game, it would probably uh, be a coup from an X's and O standpoint. And he's, mentioned, he's been mentioned with several head coaching gigs in the NFL, uh, and again, uh, that he ends up getting that job. Now, if Mississippi State wanted to interview him, he would probably listen to his alma mater uh, he is, both him and his wife are alum of Mississippi State, and Judge played for the Bulldogs beginning in 2000. He also was a graduate assistant in Starkville and then moved on to a full-time job at Birmingham Southern. Uh, he coached for three years under Nick Saban in Alabama, moved on to New England, he became a fixture in the Belichick system, and garnered attention from other franchises around the league as well. And you know his NFL ties and playing, coaching career in the SEC, he, he would have been likely uh, to build a strong staff. And at just 38 years old, uh, he has a high ceiling and a lot of youth and energy. Now would would that have translated into recruiting, that's uncertain. And as noted before, it's an element, the Bulldogs need, uh, all the coaching chops are there for judge. Uh, he just needs to lay out. He would have needed to just lay out a recruiting plan on how he would lure prospects to Starkville. Um, but he's never led his own program. It would be a bit of a wild card. Uh, and it would have been a gamble worth taking. So, um, Okay, again, just uh, quite the list, uh, quite the list of candidates possible for the uh, for the vacancy right now at uh, Mississippi Mississippi State. And so, with that being said, we're going to take a quick time out here, kind of reach into the last half hour of the show. And if you want to call us, uh, be sure to call in. You know the Mattsburgers Hotlines 784 nine six eight one. We'll take a quick timeout here and then we'll be coming right back for the last half hour of the show. You are listening to Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back in here, everybody. Still uh, going hard and strong on this Wednesday morning here on Southern Sports Central on Blog Talk Radio. Really quick, want to jump into the into the Mansburgers hotlines right now, and uh, Richie is joining me
2: uh, on the road. Uh, he, is,
1: he is joining me. I want to, um, kind of pick up there, um, about the potential coaching hire. Uh, for Mississippi State, who who would be likely to uh, who would be likely to replace Joe Moorhead? I I just gave the the list of about ten candidates, but uh, just in case I missed it, mention uh, who would be on your list for a successor for Mississippi State.
3: You know, it's a tough call for me because he, here's the thing: uh, you look at number one now you got Lane Kiffin in the state recruiting at, at Ole Miss, and and that's already a, a, a better attractive uh, spot to go play and win right now. Uh, Lake Hip is going to bring that, uh, I think, with them, but they, they've, they've kind of got that swagger about them. You know, the one thing that Dan Mullen did was he made me a believer that you can win at Mississippi State, that you can have some credibility. So, so what they're going to need to do, I, and I don't know if going after you got to have an alumni guy in there. I know that was one name you mentioned, but it's got to be somebody that's got connections to the South who can recruit really well within the confines of that panhandle down there uh, in that Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, going into Tallahassee, and can even dip into Louisiana a little bit there. Um, you know, so for, for me, it's tough, man, because there's just not a lot of coaches to me personally right now out there. You know who I'd like to see out there, who I think could do something out there that he's not going? It'd be Brent Venables. I think that would be a very attractive deal. Uh, I I think that he could recruit well at at Mississippi State. And I think he'd be a a guy that could go in housing across the country and bring in guys from not only the south, but he can go in the heartland and get some big boys on the line, and he can go around to the northeast and get some of those guys with the speed, and he can go around and do certain things. But for me, it's going to take somebody like that with a mindset that can come in here and, and really wow the fans and that being the students and the um, the, the people that come and spend that money in the, in the stadium, but he's also going to be able to go after these recruits and get them to believe again that Mississippi state can compete in the West and can continue to do what they need to do. Because again, you know, it was a short tenure for this guy in Mississippi state, and he had some things. He also had some, uh, some issues that came back to bother him or, or bite him, if you will. So, you know, to look at the list you gave me, you know, yeah, I-, I can see a couple of them. I just I haven't had enough time really to kind of dissect and say who would be a perfect fit. But it would have to be somebody like a Dan Mullen that doesn't put up with a lot of nonsense, somebody that's going to come in there and love on them the way that he loved on them. Uh, and, again, perfect scenario, you know, the coach I'd like to see there that I think could win there pretty quickly would be a guy like, uh, of course, Clemson's defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, sir, sure, no doubt about it. Live right now with Richie Altman, and uh, you know that's that's a great name that that's come across several times uh, being being the name of Brett Venables. Um, something that I would argue is that I, I think that uh, if he were to leave uh, the the coaching job that he has right now at Clemson, that would be a very that would be a very huge stretch for him because I think that he likes working in the system that he is where. He doesn't really have to focus so much on, uh, like, on the on the more like X's and O's in the recruiting thing. He just has to do his job, which is coach up defense. And he's like again, he's done a stellar job with great performances um, that he's had with uh, with uh, uh, uh,
3: league-leading
1: defenses or in the NCAA that he's led the, the FBS uh, in in defenses for the past several years now. And, and then and the names that he's gotten out there uh, in the NFL too. Um, and, and that's why his name is so attractive in, in, in the coaching search as well. Um, I, and there are several other coaches that are under, you know, like the Nick Saban tree, or now it's becoming uh Dabo Sweeney's tree. Uh, e- even look at urban Meyer's uh, tree when he's up at, when he was up at Ohio state, or even when he was at Florida, wherever he went, he had coaches that are now in the, in the, um, coaching their own programs in college. Um, I, any of the names that, but any of the names that I, I mentioned on this list uh, any of them stick out to you um, really exceptionally as if they if they maybe do or don't belong there. Like I know that um, I know that uh, Joe Judge, the New England guy he was number one on this list that I mentioned, uh, but he just got hired on by, uh, by the New England or from the New England Patriots. he got hired on by the New York Giants. Uh, and so his name is taken off the list, and that would kind of technically uh, leave the number one guy on, on this list being uh, the coach from uh, UAB and and Bill Clark. But uh, any other names that you can note, your thoughts on them?
3: Um, well, you know, just trying to pull this thing up real quick to look at possibly uh, guys that they're looking at and, and who's, who's going to be next. Uh, to take this job up, or you know, and maybe that guy that you just mentioned could be that guy, you know. I mean, you're you looking at, at the interest in who's next, who's going to be up here, and who can do the next thing. But there's so many guys here. And, and, again, you know, for me, you, you can't – you know, Butch Jones comes to mind, right, offensive uh, analyst over there for uh, Alabama. He knows – Butch Jones knows, of course, uh, the likes of uh, the recruiting corridor. He knows what's going on out of the SEC West he spent his time over there at Arkansas. What can he do? Uh, he's now been under Nick Saban a little while, so he can be, you know, a little bit more fine tuned. How does he kind of fit into the conversation? Uh, Blake Anderson's come to mind, uh, the Arkansas state head coach, uh, you know, he's in the course, uh, you know, that, that area as well. He's had success where he's been at. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of looking through some of these names that have just kind of coming through here now. Um, I mentioned the defensive coordinator in Clemson, but what about uh, what about LSU's defensive coordinator? And, uh, you know, Dave Aranda. You know, this guy here who you watched what he did the other day against Oklahoma, right? He brings in his defensive mindset to Mississippi State. He goes out and finds an offensive genius that he can, of course, step up and uh, really kind of put it to, put pen to paper there and uh, see kind of how we work out there. Um, a, a name that you just, again, you, you kind of have to wonder, and you have to be careful who they bring in here and who they put in here. Um, And then there's always going to be a Holtz name that's going to come in here. And and my third name would be Skip Holtz. So, Skip would probably be my top three. Uh, Where he fits in right now, he's at Louisiana Tech. So, again, he's in that recruiting corridor. He's built his name up there. They've had some good things going on there. Of course, uh, you know, he spent some time in different teams. But, to me, his next step would be to get into the SEC. His goal was to take over for his father when his father was the head coach at South Carolina for the Gamecocks. It didn't work that way because, of course, uh, many things. One, of course, was that big fight that broke out in the final uh, showing for the Holtz family there in uh, the Garnet and Black. But for me, you know, those three names probably come to mind. Definitely, Skip Holtz has 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 a name. Uh, Dave O'randa, who's got, of course, uh, the history there. He's a proven defensive coordinator. He can do some things. But a name, and I don't know if they want to take a chance on this guy, is Bush Jones. Yeah, you know, Bush Jones is a he's a proven head coach in the SEC. He knows what he's doing. There's a reason he's only serving as the Alabama offensive analyst, okay? And maybe that is because they expect him not to be there long. And when he has that position, his roots won't be quite as, I would say, into the soil at, at Alabama, so that it won't be that hard to replace him.
1: Yeah, live right now with uh, Richie Altman on the road, and I the, the, all those points, yeah, um, it, it, it's very possible that they that they look at that um that they that they look at him with um i, I, I guess some not, not so much admiration but just the the expectation of that you know he he's not he's not an official um coordinator or something he's just an intern or or an advisor and and the expectation, like you you like you highlighted that he's not going to be there uh for very long something else that i want to to bring your attention uh to as well that you know, the the new it's too late or Um, to, uh, uh, Justin Fields is ahead of Trevor Lawrence in, in that ballot. Um, as I'm, I'm putting this up right here, they're gearing up. Uh, and they are uh, beating out his Clemson counterpart as a favorite to win. And rounding out uh, the top five, uh, huge Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler, Houston quarterback King, and LSU quarterback Miles Brennan. Um, and, and they're becoming, Lawrence and Fields, they're becoming mainstays on the early odd scenes, and they were both listed by uh, Westgate Superbook last part um, as the second and third best picks, respectively, to win the Heisman uh, this year in, in 2019. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the case as LSU's Joe Burrow ran away with the award pick, the award, and 41 first-place votes, uh, six-place first votes, and 271 uh, second-place votes. Um and in talking about this and just kind of the dual dual threat quarterback uh being being dark or seismic kids uh, uh on off guard here now, rounding out the same. Uh Auburn quarterback bonus tech this year, uh year. So you you're taking a look at this here, uh you know, you you include uh, I think it's Miles Brennan. Yeah, you include Miles Brennan uh, on this early odds list to get should give an extra jolt of energy to um, to this LSU team uh, fan base, hoping to bring home the national title on Monday. In the sophomore from Mississippi did it. Nash have a chance to shine this time, uh, bro. Talking about uh, King. Uh, let's see, Derek King, the the Houston quarterback. There, he he represents uh, he presents one of the most intriguing storylines of any. He's been hopeful as, as a senior redshirt returning to Houston. Now, the quarterback, he took advantage of the NCAA's rule. Now, King passed for 663 yards, and he rushed for another 312 yards and scored uh, 12 total touchdowns. This is the quarterback, uh, D. Eric King from Houston, uh, talking about some of the, the, the first, um, the, the odds, if you will, for, um, for winning uh, the, the Heisman. This is a very early uh, poll that, that was put out. Um, but, you know, he, he took advantage of the redshirt rule, Um, he played four games this year and then decided to redshirt. And this was a strategy that that many, uh, again, have likened to college football's version of tanking, which the school has embraced. Uh, He passed for those 663 yards, rushed for another 312, and scored uh, only 12 touchdowns in in those four games. But the team went one and three as as head coach uh, Dana Horstgen decided to regroup for 2020. And he was a dark horse for a Heisman candidate uh, last season who won't catch anyone off guard, um, next year. And I mentioned all those other names as well. Some notable names, uh, if you will, all at the quarterback position. And then the one running back, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Those are the, all the names that are, are kind of out there early for, for betters, uh, for the Heisman trophy, um, candidacy and who, who would win it in, in 2020. Um, you know, it's it's kind of fascinating that, that Justin Fields would be just ahead of, of Trevor Lawrence, but that that would not be uh, that would not be downplayed. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he had a he was expected to possibly win it or or at least be mentioned uh, in the final four for the selection uh, process, but it, just the the sheer amount of pressure that he had coming his way, just a lot of the. Um, you know a lot of the the expectations that were placed on him for for this coming year and he and he mentioned it too that he was just uh he he wore that uh on his shoulders for most of this most of this season because like how are you supposed to how are you supposed to go about doing this what are you supposed to do um and that young man he was able to turn around uh, had like midway through the season it was, it was shortly after the North Carolina game where they almost they they almost blew it uh 21 to 20 and then the mentality set in. It's like, okay, I just have to be myself. And I think the coaches really helped him with that as well. That's like, okay, I just got to be myself. I got to do what I need to do and and get on with it. And, and it'll all be great. It'll all be good. Because that's the mentality that, that you need to have. That's the mentality that, that should be had uh, in, in regards to all of these um, and into playing football, uh, and especially being a, a young leader like he is uh, Trevor Lawrence is at Clemson. Justin Fields is another, is another one of them. He learned a lot from, from Jake Fromm uh, there at Georgia. And he, he was able to carry that with him into an offensive system that really needed him. And, and because they needed him in this light and in this way, really, he's been the game changer, uh, for, for the, for the Buckeyes on the offensive side of the ball. You saw that all throughout the season, and, and for him to be able to uh, use all of his abilities uh, at least once all throughout the all throughout each game, uh, that really that really transcended him and his name uh, and, and possibly very well his draft stock. Uh, he's going to enter into the draft next year, and again it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty uh, quarterback heavy uh, class coming into twenty twenty one as well. Uh, despite the the you know the rumor that Sam Ellinger was going to go on to, to play. He's going to play another year at. Um, he's going to play another year at Texas. That's uh, that was his decision, and that's what that's what he's going to do. Um, now, obviously, I, I believe that it's possibly seen as he is going to uh, just just return. He announced it on Twitter on on Monday. Um, now he he threw three thousand six hundred and sixty three yards, thirty two touchdowns, and ten interceptions in thirteen games in twenty nineteen. He also ran for six hundred and sixty three yards and seven touchdowns. Now, Matt Miller is the uh, NFL draft expert on Bleacher Report. He tweeted in October he didn't view Ellinger as a 2020 prospect, and the junior signal caller was absent in, in Miller's most recent big board. Now the Austin, Texas native will have more time to bolster his stock uh, draft stock. But given his passion for the program, the allure of possibly getting Texas into the college football playoff was probably too much to pass up, as well, uh, it looked like the Longhorns turned a corner when they beat Georgia, 28 to 21, in the 2019 Sugar Bowl. An 8 and 5 record this season was a massive disappointment, considering they sat 10th in the preseason AP poll, top 25 in the Amway Coaches Poll, say, sitting 10th. And Tom Herman responded uh, by firing defensive coordinator Todd Orlando and demoting offensive coordinator Tim Beck uh, to the quarterback's coach. Uh, now, Mike Urich, he, he was on Ohio State's uh, passing games coordinator. He came in as uh, Tim Beck's replacement and Joe Burrow's rapid rise is a testament to how the right coaching can unlock a quarterback's potential. Now, many had written Burrow off only to watch his LSU's passing game coordinator, Joe Brady, helped turn him into a Heisman Trophy winner and likely the number one overall draft pick. But Yurick might have the same kind of impact on Ellinger. Now, considering Texas will lose his top two receivers, uh, and, and the Longhorns will undoubtedly need him to make a jump in 2020. Those two receivers, Devin, um, Devin Durvaney. Duvernay and Colin Johnson, and and if they're seriously contend for a college playoff berth, they'll need to make those uh, that jump this coming year. And and it's it's a good thing that Ellinger is coming back. Um, You know, he announced it last year in that in that Sugar Bowl win against Georgia. He said, "We're back," if if anybody remembers. And and it's something too to point out as well that um, you know. He, he i think that he wants to stay and prove that this that this team can win that this team can do uh great things that texas can come back to being in in relevancy in in football ever since the um ever since the days of the about 10 15 years ago when they were they were up there they were in that uh in that caliber of of national contenders um and, and just a lot really to look at uh, as well, and, and stuff to look forward to. Um, you know, still as the as the college football uh, rankings wind as it all winds down, you still have the upcoming games uh, for for Clemson and LSU. That's going to be on Monday at eight, uh, and unfortunately, that's the last uh, that's the last game uh, of college football that we will have for the. 2019 2020 season but uh just kind of sticking just kind of sticking with that there, there's a lot still to be uh recruited for, for college football and uh um and just a lot of uh, different commits uh for from the all-star games that happened this past weekend and all the ones that uh, were before it um there was a there's a the number one running back he reopens his recruitment we we talked about zachary evans uh, the 2020's top running back. Uh, he has been given quote full release uh, from his letter of intent to Georgia. Uh, this is this according to uh, 24/7 Sports, and uh, they, they do they do such a, an amazing job with the, the articles and the rankings that they, they they put out and everything that they do uh, for the world of, of recruiting. Now, uh, Zachary Evans, uh, he Georgia released him. Uh, from his national letter of intent. Now, he's the number one running back, number 14 uh, player overall in the 2020 recruiting class. This is uh, according to the composite rankings from 24-7 Sports. Now, Chris Hummer reported Monday that it looked like Evans was leaving Georgia and, quote, expected to zero in on LSU and Texas A&M. Now, um, Wilt Fong added Evans received. um, Now, Steve Wilt Fong is the one uh, that broke the news uh, about Georgia releasing him from his letter of intent he added um, Evans re- received a quote full release no restrictions uh, which allow him to join another school and play immediately in 2020 the Houston native ran for 4,867 yards and 76 touchdowns over his final three years of high school and 24-7 says, Gabe Brooks uh, compared him to Los Angeles Chargers running back Melvin Gordon, who had a prolific career at Wisconsin and is a two-time Pro Bowler in the NFL. Uh, and Evans he, Evan, he participated in the Under Armour American Game, All-American Game, and earned MVP honors uh, for team pressure. And and during the game, he made a cryptic comment in an interview on ESPN Two's uh, broadcast of the game. He said, "Quote: I want to apologize to my college coaches and apologize for the things that they are hearing." Unquote. Uh, and, and he continues that, uh, I'm a really good kid. It was stupid. It was an immature decision. I was being selfish to my teammates, and I'm ready to come uh, in and show them I'm ready. Uh, especially with most of the top recruits already signed, uh, adding Evans would be a significant boost for LSU or Texas A&M, either one. Uh, the Tigers might have to replace Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's eligible for the 2020 draft. Uh 2 reports Matt Miller ranked Edwards-Hilaire as the number 10 running back. Uh, available in his most recent big board. For the Aggies, Evans would be an upgrade over Isaiah Spiller, who ran for 946 yards and 10 touchdowns as a true freshman. And adding another talented running back would relieve some pressure on Kellen Mond uh, in the passing game as well. Uh, So, you know, taking a look at it for for Zach Evans, whichever option that he chose. If he were to go to Georgia, he would be be replacing a a great – um such a great player in, uh, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember his name, but he he's one that has declared for the draft, um, and and fitting into Kirby Smarts, uh, the, the spectrum of playing that game and playing Kirby Smarts game and fitting into that system, I think that he would work well because they utilize the run game a lot uh, for for Georgia, and the Bulldogs they need somebody. Uh, with legs and with the power on the ground and for somebody to compare him to a Melvin Gordon, like that, that's a, that's a pretty spectacular thing. Also not to mention uh, the other, the other things that were added as well that the LSU Tigers, they would have to replace him. uh, uh, They would have to replace Clyde Edwards Hilaire with, with the guy that we're talking about in Zach Evans. Um, And it's because that uh, Edwards Hilaire is the, you know, number 10 running back available. And, just uh, just kind of scanning uh, just scanning the area for the LSU Tigers and what they're able to do if if they can utilize him that would be that would be awesome um uh, you know again also with uh, for the Aggies he would be an upgrade over Isaiah Spiller um and Isaiah he ran for the, for those numbers but the the Aggies they're they're more so comfortable over the air on the passing game and it's understandable and that's something that they can be able to do and he he ran uh, Isaiah Spiller, who ran for 946 yards and 10 touchdowns, again as a true freshman. If you added a different uh, if you added different running back, one that would be more so for for power and and, and agility, then then that would be something to look forward to uh, as well, fitting into a system that that probably normally isn't isn't accustomed to that. Um, you know, with all that being said it could turn into a Georgia situation like it was with the, the dynamic duo, uh, Nick, Nick Chubb. And, um, uh, and the, again, the other guy that he had, uh, he's, he's there at, um, he is there at New England um, as the running back there. I feel so ashamed not, not, know, not remembering his name, but nonetheless, uh, fitting into that system, I think that it would, it would prove great for the Aggies or for wherever Zach uh, for forever Zach Evans goes, uh zachary evans is is an all star talent There's a reason that he is the five star running back that he is the number one running back and the number fourteen uh player overall in the recruiting class for uh twenty twenty and so you know mentioning all of that and all of those things um and just to to have it come all together the way the way that it is. Um, we we shall, we shall see what his decision is, because if he was able to back out of this, then he can still um, be able to check out his other options. I do want to thank, again, all of our sponsors, The Fan Zone, Gern's Pharmacy, for sponsoring uh, the name of the studio, Matt's Burgers, for, for the hotlines and for all of the things that, that we are able to do and to bring you uh, such a, a great quality show and uh, and hope that we can continue to do that day in and day out. And so we could not do that without the sponsors that we have. So thank you, thank you, thank you from from the bottom of our hearts and everybody here at, at Southern Sports Central. So uh, with that, it is time to close out the show. For Richie Altman, uh, my name is Will Porter, and we will see you Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m right here on Blog Talk radio. Until then guys have a great rest of your day and uh, tell, tell people that you love them love you guys see you
0: tomorrow don't want come out but you don't want be alone
3: with lucky slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.